to another episode of the Blue Single Podcast. We are now way past the halfway part of uh, spring training, and right now the Diamondbacks roster and the start of the season is really rounding into form. Uh, to go over some of the nitty-gritty parts, some new players who are getting a lot of great um, action and playing time, and it's able to diagnose some of the up-and-coming talent. Ryan, always with me. How are you doing, buddy? Doing great, Rob. Excited to... Uh, we've got just a couple days until opening day, right? I mean, it's less than a week now, April 1st. Just yeah, about a week. Yeah, down the days. Yeah, and, and we're seeing just every other day um, players getting sent down to the minors. Some shockers, it, maybe we should just take a quick moment. Um, we were very, very high on J.B. Bukaskis and uh, very... As were most got... Diamondback fans, let's be honest. Yeah, very much... Uh, automatically dated our our last podcast when he got sent down to the minors technically what what, what went on there service time service time manipulation we hear about it throughout baseball uh going back to chris bryant um jared Kalenic this year uh, the president of the mariners lost his job talking about how there was no way that jared Kalenic would ever break camp with the with the major league club and i you know it's the back and forth between players and management you keep a guy in the minor leagues for a couple more weeks couple months or two and you get a whole nother year of service time of control of one of your best players during their peak years economically it's a it's a no-brainer so yeah that's the same thing with bukowskis i think it's the day he was sent down was the last day that he could be on the major league roster or he, the last day that he could be sent down, if he was sent down any day after the day he was sent down, if he had gotten hurt, he would have to have been put on the major league roster, which would have started his clock, as opposed to when he was sent down. If he gets hurt now, he can go on the minor league injured list and be you know, saved from accruing any service time. Yeah, and then, I mean, there's always stuff you can work on. I just find it hard to believe when they send him down saying he needs to work on holding runners on base. Well, the only reason he didn't work on that in spring training is he didn't allow anyone on base. He didn't allow any runs. He didn't mm-hmm. have anyone even be able to touch him. It's just one of those things where, you know, everybody knows what's going on, but if you don't say it outright, you can't get in trouble. Right. Hey, we uh, got our own Chris Bryant, you know, version of a Chris Bryant. Instead of an all-star third baseman, it's a middle in, or middle reliever, but hey, there With you go. closer stuff, he, you know, he'll be closing doors, closing the game for the Diamondbacks in a couple seasons, so... Not completely, not not apples to apples, but he's not just a middle reliever. Yeah, believe me, this is not the last time we're going to talk about him. He's uh, whether he's going to get a minor league moment here in the next few weeks before he ends up on the roster, um, or who knows what, or if he's saving games later this year, uh, he'll be he'll be in this podcast again. So let's go ahead and move on. Um, that's a player who got sent down to the minors, but we've got a couple of people who are still here and still fighting for a major league spot. Uh, again, the the very outdated podcast we were talking over players who could play the outfield, and one of the players we had brought up is Josh Rojas. Um, looks like he's really solidifying the second base position, um, formally making Kettle Marte our center fielder. So talk to me a little bit about him, because I've been very impressed with him during spring training. Any thoughts on Josh Rojas before I get just absolutely rolling on the Millennium, Millennium High School uh, former... <laughs> Uh, alumni there yeah the side of phoenix i think it's you know josh rojas you say he's starting to lock down that second base position and you know he's a left-handed hitter so 
the Diamondbacks love positional versatility. They love, you know, platoon lineups with their batters lining up the lefties against righties and righties against lefties. So you have a left-handed hitting second baseman that replaces Kettle Marte at that position, who's a switch hitter as he moves to center field. You get a switch hitting Eduardo Escobar at third base, and that's going to be the lineup most days, you would think, against right-handed pitching. And that opens up the door for left-handed pitchers against left-handed pitchers for Azubu Cabrera to step in at either second base or third base with Eduardo Escobar, Escobar shifting over to uh, second. Or even Kettle Marte moving in from center field to play second base against uh, lefties and somebody like Tim LaCastro, who's a right-handed hitting outfielder, maybe more thought of as the fourth outfielder, but getting a start against left-handed pitching. So a lot that Rojas actually really opens up the Diamondbacks to do a lot of what they love by moving players around the field and up and down the batting order and taking advantage of those platoon splits. Yeah, and this is more flying at 30,000 feet with baseball. Um, but man, if you can ever, even if you have a right-handed kid, if you can ever teach that your kid to play uh, baseball and hit left-handed, you'd think lefties are, what, 10% of the population? And so... Even if there's a little, a few more lefties percentage-wise in the majors, there's still an overwhelming amount of right-handed pitchers, especially when you get in the middle of relievers. And so to have someone who can hit left, left-handed, um, and as we get into him with power, he's really been generating power this spring training. Uh, that's an immediate advantage just from a before you even step onto the field point. And so as you're talking about gives gives another at-bat from the left side, that's the importance of, of seeing that is you're going to see so many more right-handers and you're going to have mm-hmm. better vision going forward. And I, I think that's attributed. He's been left-handed the whole time. It's not like this is new for him. But then going into, he's always had a very slick glove. He's always been very great defensively. And the only question is whether he'd be able to hit at this at, at the major leagues. And he put on muscle. He's been hitting the ball harder. You know, we always talk about Eduardo Escobar or these other people coming in the best shape of their life. How many times we hear Robbie Ray coming in the best shape of his life, but this guy's really done it. And it's very impressive. Yeah. And he has mentioned that he attributes this to following the Nikon med plan. Uh, when it comes to eating and lifting and taking care of his body. And you mentioned Josh Rojas's power numbers and yeah, it's just spring training. He's got a 340 batting average, uh, during spring training and three home runs. Uh, that's in 58 plate appearances. You look at Josh Rojas, not a big sample size, but you look at his major league, what he's done so far with the Diamondbacks, called up in 2019 at the end there and played parts of uh, 2020. He's got two career home runs and 227 career plate appearances. So he's never going to be a 30 home run guy, a 25 home run guy, or maybe even a 20 home run guy. But if he can give you 15 to 20 home runs from the second base, playing some corner outfield, kind of in a super utility type role with a better than 300 batting average. I'll take that. I'll take that every day. And part of that batting average isn't just home runs. And I think that's something that people don't understand is uh, the frozen rope or the line drive. If you can hit a ball hard through the infield into the outfield, it's got a better chance of hitting grass. You know, it's got a better chance of getting down. If you have these looping, lofting uh, hits or something without power, an outfielder at this league can can get under that ball. But if you drive it with power, even though it's not over the fence, even though, you know, you don't need to be a 30-run home, home run hitter like Jeff Kent did, 
you know, at second base all those years. You need someone who's who's going to be able to get on to first, get on second, uh, create havoc for for a starting pitcher or a middle middle reliever. Right. I'm glad you mentioned his versatility. We're going to get off Josh Rojas because I, I really do think he's he's our second baseman opening day. Um, but you mentioned he can also play in the corner outfield. And we had debated who would be in those corner outfield positions until Cole Calhoun comes back. Um, a player who, you know, I really had lo- thought lost his chance was Tim LaCastro when he went onto the COVID list. He's come back. It was clearly, just like Tori Lovello said, he's a- he was asymptomatic and it shows that he doesn't have any lingering issues, um, either in the outfit position or at, at bat. Talk to me about Tim LaCastro, especially as you pegged him for one of the, the starting positions in our outfield. Yeah, I still really like the idea of Tim LaCastro being a starting center fielder for the Diamondbacks and keeping Kettle Marte at second base. And that would open up moving Rojas to uh, right field more just to keep his bat in the lineup if he shows that spring training has been real. But you look at what Tim LaCastro is doing. You know, he's the fastest player in the major leagues, uh, fastest sprint speed last two seasons. He's perfect stolen base-wise. Could probably start stealing more bases. A good comp for him might be Scott Pacenic during his three- to four-year peak playing for the Brewers and the White Sox then. Uh, but he's come back from COVID and just puts up playing great. Uh, he's got a like an on-base percentage of close to 500. He's getting on base by walk. He's not striking out. He's getting hit by pitches at uh, already at Major League. He's His hit-by-pitch game is already regular season quality. You're talking by who's just going. It's alarming how well he gets hit. It, you know, one's going to pop him right in the kidney. Right. I mean, Tim LaCastro is your prototypical leadoff hitter. Get him on, get him over, get him in. You all you have to do is lay down a bunt, get a have him steal second, anything to get him in a scoring position, and he's going to score. It's just he could be good for you know, hundred runs this season if at if he plays every day, and shows that this hitting and on base numbers. You know, more important for an for a player of his type rather than, and he's got a great batting average this spring, but still small percentage is an on base number. So you know, Rob, when constructing a lineup and looking at our outfield options, who do you think is going to really get the most at bats? Do you think we're going to have a starting outfield, or is it going to just be a rotating cast of playing the hot hand? So as far as constructing a lineup, let's bring out the expertise of our. Uh college softball days where it's like oh you're really fast well you're going to be at the front of the lineup there you go um no i think ultimately with his speed and you brought it back to when if he could play center i just don't think that's in the cards for him um but i really like the the fact that until cole calhoun comes back like castro we didn't think this was going to happen but he's fighting for right field we thought it'll be all about arm strength um but I just thought, like, how many plays at the plate would he ever get, really? Would, would anyone get maybe 10 plays at the plate and you throw out two? Maybe if, you know, probably eight put-outs, eight actual outs with your arm as an outfielder tops. So given that Calhoun's going to come back, I don't I don't think you should really have an issue with him being the starting right fielder day after day after day. And then after that, I think it's less of a hot hand. I think it's more that, like, Castro... Um, you know, you have David Peralta pretty much always in left. Kettle Marte pretty much always in center. Calhoun, when he comes back, pretty much always in right. But if you play five games, six games in a week, if you can have LaCastro get three starts out of that, he gives everyone an extra day's rest. 
you know, apart from, you know, whatever Sunday matinee game, you know, or whatever day they have off anyway. So you're getting more rest and can extend them through the season. That's what I think LeCaster, rather than a hot hand and he gets 20 games because he's hitting, he's going to be able to spell someone at each position. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to have a defensive loss. And like you just said, with a 500 on base percentage, you're not going to have an offensive loss. Because a hard hit single by David Peralta is the same as LeCaster walking or getting hit, you mm-hmm. know, or having a, a beat out a single in the infield. And all of a sudden he's on second because he steals the base. You know, he, he provides versatility that way. Right, and you know, you bring up David Peralta. He's actually spent a lot of games this spring in that leadoff position. You know, it's just speed is something you can't teach a player. You can teach a player to hit with a more level swing plane. You could teach a player to, you know, catch the ball better or work on his mechanics. But just the speed that Tim Castro has, it's something that can't be taught and can really change the game because we've had him for a couple of years i think we do gravitate towards tim lacastro he's that um underdog sort of player that just arizona in general and dimebacks fans specifically love to root for um and so we're i think we're both angling for him getting extended looks in the outfield and more particularly in right field but that means he'd have to beat out a very specific player which is trace thompson who has been given like every opportunity to win the right field position. He's starting every other every game in right field, playing just about every inning. It almost feels like this is either going to go down and prove that he cannot do this, or he's given every opportunity to fight a spot. So what do you think for Trace Thompson? Not yet on the 40-man roster, not yet on the active roster, of course, um, but having an opportunity to take that position. Yeah, and I think... They're, they're giving him every chance. Oh, yeah, absolutely giving him every chance. I saw a statistic that... Among the batters with the most spring training at bats, two of the top five are Diamondbacks, and that's Josh Rojas and Trace Thompson. And I'm not really sure what Trace Thompson brings to this Diamondbacks roster in the place of Cole Calhoun. He's 30 years old. He's been up a few times. He's got major, a lot of major, uh, you know, a good amount of major league experience for a player who's never really broken through, and he's never performed at the major league level. Not for power, not for average. He plays a serviceable outfield. He's kind of just another guy, and I'm not sure what how that helps the Diamondbacks this year. It might help the Diamondbacks if we were definitely contending for the playoffs. You know, I think if we're thinking Cole Calhoun will be back in a couple of weeks and we just need somebody to not screw up in right field, Maybe, but the Diamondbacks are kind of at a crossroads. Yeah, we're contending. We think this is the same team that a lot of play, uh, a lot of prognosticators thought could challenge for the playoffs just a couple years ago. But at the other side of the spectrum, maybe we are looking at who's getting younger. Maybe we're looking at who we're going to trade. Um, but you seem to have a different opinion of what Trace Thompson brings to the Diamondbacks. What are your thoughts, Rob? No, not really. I mean, I didn't even have him pegged to be on the team. It just, at, at the end of the day, like, you, you can't ignore the fact that he's out there so often. And the only other player, like you said, Rojas, in that top five, also has been given every opportunity to win a spot, and he's hit his way onto this team legitimately. Like, he, I do not think he'll miss the 25-man roster. In fact, I think he's going to start at second base. Um, Trace Thompson, like you said, like, it, he has not been eye-popping. Uh what is it, 12, maybe 15 years ago, Russell Brannion was a non-roster invitee 
playing first base and hit his way onto this team with like a 450 batting average through spring training, just something ridiculous, had power, had consistency, boom, the real season starts, he faces major league talent, he's off the team within six weeks. He just he couldn't hit a thing, you know? Um, and there, Ilamora Vargas last year, we thought to the moon, you know, with that guy. He was hitting for power in spring training, same thing, and did nothing the moment it was all major league talent. And so um, – Though he's getting every opportunity, we've talked about him going up against double-A pitchers. Like, at the end of the day, Calhoun will be back a week after opening day. Maybe two. You're talking about eight games? I don't think you need to lose someone off your 40-man roster for eight games. I'm sorry. Like, Clay Thompson's brother, I'm sorry. But, you know, like, not on this team and not right now, especially with the talent that we have elsewhere. Yeah, and you look at what Trace Thompson has done. Early in spring training, he was hitting a lot of home runs. And he still is playing a lot, but he was performing early in spring training. His average has dropped to below 200. He still got those same first 300 or three homers that he hit in the first week or two of spring training. He hasn't really shown anything lately as we're getting closer to opening day that shows that he deserves to be on this roster or at least to be getting playing time when you think of some of the other outfield candidates that could really benefit from some reps in the outfield that are going to make the or be with the Diamondbacks or could be with the Diamondbacks two, three years from now. And I'm talking to Pavin Smith or a Dalton Varsho and either. Those are guys who we control them. We know that 2023 comes along. If they're not traded, they're still going to be Diamondbacks. 2023 comes around, Trace Thompson, he's not going to be a Diamondback. No, you're right. And so at that point, like, don't dedicate a roster spot to it. I, it's interesting that you segued into really a lot of these moves aren't for the right now, but for the future, or at least like put the eggs in both baskets, right? Like compete for now, knowing that the future will be better in just a couple of years. And one of the players that actually plays the outfield position, um, someone that we've had our eye on for a while and just hoping he can continue to perform. And you talk about reps. Alec Thomas is, is the minor leaguer that we're going to talk about tonight who's actually going to get reps not because he wins a 25th man spot on our roster and basically rides the bench but he's with major league talent alec thomas is, is an outfielder who's going to go down to the minors and get, just get constant reps because we're going to see him in two years you know yeah. as long as his trajectory is the same we're going to see him so talk to me about this player because i know you specifically are very excited this is the number one prospect we have that we want to talk about heading into this year when we just look to the future every week look to the future yeah, this is the number one prospect on the uh, Bloop Single Top 20 Arizona Diamondbacks prospect list, ranked in various positions across uh, different uh, Major League Baseball prospect lists, uh, going as high as number 47 on Baseball Prospectus' Top 100 list. Um, but he's a consensus Top 100 prospect. Diamondbacks' second-round draft pick in 2018 out of Chicago. His dad was the, is the strength coach for the Chicago White Sox. So he grew Former up in a minor league outfielder. Yeah, he grew up in a major league uh, clubhouse. He knows what it takes to be a major league player. Uh, this is a kid who can play left field, center field. Um, he probably could stick in center field if we didn't have somebody like Corbin Carroll who's going to be playing that position. So that moves Alec Thomas to left field, where he could be a Gold Glove candidate uh, left fielder, uh, left-handed hitter. He's got some power, but he's really more of a gap-to-gap doubles hitter right now. 
but could project as a you know, 20 double, 20 home run, 20 stolen base type of guy at the major league level. So, you know, what do you, what are you looking at, Rob? What do you when you when you say that Alec Thomas is the number one prospect on the Bloop Single Top Twenty list, what is it about him that puts him there for you? You told me to talk about him. No, I'm kidding. So, um, so there's there's things that that you you talked about. Speed is something you can't teach. You can teach other aspects of the sport, but I think if you have a natural instinct, a high baseball acumen, know when to take a base on a pop fly to the outfield, right? So many players don't take a, a, you know, if they're on first base, grab second base when there's a lazy fly ball to deep left. Um, that acumen is something that's hard to teach, but he's he's had a dad who, who's been able to teach him baseball from the professional ranks from a young age. And so those are the type of things that I'm excited for him. It's hard to project things like, oh, he's only going to hit 15 home runs. Not only do, frankly, bodies change, you know, when you're going through the minors, We've even just seen in the last five years the the expansion of launch angle. So there's nothing to say he doesn't change his swing, you know, drop from a, a 300 hitter to 280, but all of a sudden hitting 25 home runs. Like, you know, not to say he will. I don't think his body's built like that naturally. But if you fix your launch angle and change your mm-hmm. batting approach, completely different. So to say that, that he forecasts at that, bananas, man. Like, take that for what you will. But I think those other aspects... Um, solid defense, right? You're not a liability out there at a young age because it's only going to get harder when you hit the majors. Um, he can handle himself, and that's what's impressive. At age age 19, 20 years old, I mean, we're talking about people who were still hoping to get it at age 26, mm-hmm. you know, when you bring up a Pavin Smith, and we'll hit on him because I'm still high on him, even though I think I've talked crap about him two weeks in a row, you know, just as far as his prospects. But at the end of the day, Alec Thomas fundamentally sound and that's only going to get better and that's what he gets to work on yeah and you know 2019 was the last time that we saw alec thomas uh play baseball he uh got you know really has rocketed through the diamondbacks smiling system in his time here spending time all the way at Vizalia, which was high a at the time and that's really the first time that he saw any struggle he was a 400 on base guy up until that point uh and by struggling he hit 250 and got on base at a 327 clip which kind of goes to show that even as the end of that season was beginning to wrap up he started you know clicking at the higher level and i mean that was a 19 year old playing against 21 22 year olds people who'd been playing baseball professionally for three or four seasons mostly uh you know not sure where alec thomas is going to start this season in the minor leagues you know, most likely I think in Hillsboro, but I could be wrong. Yeah, most likely he'll start in Hillsboro, which is the Diamondbacks' high A affiliate this year. Uh, but look to see Alec Thomas move all the way to Double A in Amarillo by the end of the season, and that would put him on pace to spend Triple A next year and uh, break camp with the Diamondbacks in Phoenix in 2023 as one. You know, we talk about the core who's going to really be on the next Diamondback playoff team alongside Kettle Marte or leading that team. You look at 2023, Alec Thomas could be one of those guys. Yeah, and I don't want to get in comparisons with other minor leaguers, but you had previously brought up a Corbin Carroll. Um, so I want to fly at 10,000 feet just for a moment. And I mean, I know it's not going to be until 2022 or 23 or whatever, but like these players that are essentially the best prospects are people who were drafted fairly recently. I mean, we're talking about Alec Thomas was in the 2018 draft 
already being pushed by the Corbin Carroll who got drafted just a year later. And this is only a couple of years ago. Like, normally mm-hmm. you're getting players come up at pitchers probably around 25, 26, unless they're phenomenal. Uh, position players, maybe somewhere between 24 and 26. Like, these people are doing it at 20, 21. Yeah. You know? And so, and, and already get pushed by someone else is just crazy to me. But it, hopefully it's one of those where it only makes Alec Thomas better. And then all of a sudden you either trade one or start both. You know, that's the benefit of them actually being good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the benefit of having a deep outfield, of having players who can play center field. I mean, you've mentioned other players that maybe we won't talk about as part being part of our top 20 list, but players like Jake McCarthy, great defensive uh, center fielder uh, out of the University of Virginia a few years ago, college program, good college program. You know, you've got a lot of players who can play up when you have a lot of players who can play up the middle, then they can move to those other positions and provide great defense on the corners. You have a good center fielder like Alec Thomas projects to be. Well, he could be a great left fielder, and that's that's what the Diamondbacks are hoping with with him. And awesome. I mean, you mentioned like his, uh, that his power could develop. He is about six foot tall, and his dad's a weight uh, weight coach. So there's a potential for power there. That's true. I didn't think about that. If if your dad is a strength and conditioning coach for major leaguers, like dad, come on in the off season, like buy me a couple dumbbells. Let's go. <laughs> right. Um, and and that's we talked about like fifteen home runs. Like I just think that's laughable. There's nothing to say he doesn't put on fifteen extra pounds of muscle, and it's a totally different player at that point. And on one hand, when you gain that much, it's a good thing. You can hit the ball harder. He's doing it from the left side, which we already talked about with Rojas. Is like. You know, just objectively better with all the right-handed pitchers in this league. And separately, again, with those 15, 20 pounds of muscle, maybe you're not so much a center fielder anymore. Maybe you slow down just a tick. It's totally fine for left field. Right. And he gets to wear the Sonodorius hat, which we both bought and can represent. Absolutely. In the Hillsborough Hops, you know, on that team. Real happy to see that Hillsborough stayed a Dynamax uh, minor league affiliate. I know. I that was the first thing you you told me I was ridiculous, but I was like so glad Hillsborough Hops stayed because they've got the cool hat that we bought. Like, how dumb would we feel if we had that hat? You know, which is like basically just neon pink and green and blue. If the it team says, didn't exist anymore, and says nothing about the Diamondbacks. What do you mean? Like, as far as wearing cool jerseys? Well, I mean the Sonadores hat. I imagine there'd still be a Hillsborough Hops team, even if the Diamondbacks, they weren't the Diamondbacks minor league affiliate. So the Sonadors would still be around. I'm not going to ride or die for, like, the Giants prospects. Yeah, but it's, it's just a cool hat either way. That does remind me. So do you remember the, here it is, the turn of the millennium. But I think it was either 1999 or 2000. They had jerseys of the future. Mm-hmm. Um they were all incredibly stupid. You can Google it. It's worth a Google. But the Diamondbacks were these black jerseys, and it was a copper and teal snake that basically coiled around the midsection. Yep. Um, anyways, no, Google it. It's worth it because it, it's, oh, yeah. it's insanely dumb. Very, very late 90s. Um, Ken, you know, Ken Y2K Griffey. bug. Ken yeah. Griffey got to wear his hat backwards that game. Awesome. Again. Yeah, it was Futures game or Future yeah. Jersey night, something. Anyways. Yeah. Um, okay, so that was the promise of the future. We're going to talk about now and just hopefully not end on a downer, but we just got to hit up a couple of things. I really thought we were making spring training clean, like we were going to get out without injury. Cole Calhoun happens early, but he's going to be back 
like literally right after opening day. I wasn't worried. In the last week alone, I don't think I want to touch on Ahmed. He's kind of been in and out, but he looks in for now. What is going on with both uh, Tyler Clippard and Zach Gallen? One, two, punch right into the gut. They're both out. Yeah, Tyler Clippard, you you knew something was up when you just look at his line from that game. He gave up something like 15 runs. Um, yeah, six his, straight batters that just yeah, boom, hit him hard. Do you remember Taiwan Walker had that um, game where he just got hit and hit and hit, and he normally throws ninety seven, he's throwing ninety one, boom, out with Tommy John. Right, uh, I thought that Tyler Clippard. I guess it's something like a capsule sprain. I'm not really sure. I, you know, you mentioned when talking about JB Bukaskis that he's just a middle reliever he's not an all-star third baseman like chris bryant and we're talking about about service time issues well the reason you compare him to just being a uh, middle reliever is because they're generally fungible middle relievers are kind of rotating so tyler clippard yeah we signed him to a contract he was looking to be our setup guy uh has had some success over the past couple of years but on this team he's still probably like the 20th most important player and that being said I don't know that it opens the door. It, you know, we still expect to see a J.B. Bukaskis in a couple of weeks. This opens a door for another minor leaguer, maybe Corbin Martin, to start the season in in the bullpen. Jadu uh, Plantier, Taylor Weidner, uh, Taylor Clark. These are all players who maybe were on the cusp of are they going to be a bull, in the bullpen for the Diamondbacks or stretched out as starters down in Reno? You know, we're... I, th- I don't know that there's necessarily going to be a huge drop-off in results. Who knows? There may be. You, you don't know with a guy like Tyler Clippard. I'm more concerned about the Zach Gallen injury. Let me ask one more thing on Tyler Clippard before we get to Zach Gallen, because my worry is that it's in the shoulder. And whether it's Todd Stottlemyer, who pitched in the early, early, early 2000s, late 1990s with us, the rotator cuff ended his whole career. Same with Brandon Webb, devastating uh, sinker ball. All of a sudden, there's just something grinding in his shoulder. Can't figure it out. He's at from Cy Young winner to out of the league within two years, and that that's a grace period mm-hmm. of him still being on a roster, even though he's not pitching. You know, so the shoulder injury, much less even for the Diamondbacks, like he just seems to be snake bit on on this team. You know, whenever he's wearing the Diamondbacks jersey, but for a career. Shoulder injuries is not like Tommy John, man. It seems a lot tougher to bounce back. That's my concern for him. Yeah, definitely concerned for him. Um, he's 36 years old. Don't really know how much, you know, how many more chances he's going to get as a major league reliever. You know, right now, best case scenario is that he'll be back in June sometime. So, yeah. you know, with him. June. It really is a next man up. I mean, he's going to be shut down for six weeks, and then yeah. he's got to get build back arm strength. He's got to go through spring training again. Yeah, he's got to uh, ramp back up. Right. So, you know, next man up when it comes to the bullpen. Zach Callen, maybe not as serious of an injury. Uh, found out that he has a hairline fracture in his forearm, so we're not talking Tommy John. We're not talking ligaments. We're not talking any soft tissues, which is a good thing. But, you know. He was Dimex's best pitcher this spring. He's one of the most underrated pitchers in baseball. He's just a you know the future ace of the Dimex staff. 
out for a couple of weeks. Just going to be, you know, whatever hope that you had for a Diamondback playoff Ross playoff push took a hit with Zach Gallons go uh, landing on the injured list this year. Yeah, him specifically. I remember you texted me. I was at still at work and hadn't caught any of the game, and you mentioned forearm tightness. And at that point, it's just you're done. We're done. This stinks. You kind of reel it back. It's not just forearm tightness, but he he didn't even do it while throwing. He was batting in the hairline fracture. I don't know if he chucked swing or was jammed or what. Yeah, but, said he felt it on a jam. Yeah, it's so much better than than doing it while pitching. One, pitching in an overhand delivery is such a volatile movement anyways. That's why you see so many elbow injuries um, and things like that for pitchers. But hairline fracture, is, it's not anything to mess with. Obviously, he's going to be out for a little bit of time, but way better scenario than oh, 10 other things that we could have done as a pitcher. You know, he was penciled in as Diamondbacks' number two starter probably behind Madison Bumgarner. He's going to be starting the season on the injured list. So, you know, this opens a spot in the rotation for one of these Dimex pitchers that we were just talking about, uh, possibly being stretched out in Reno. Maybe they'll actually be in the starting rotation. So we haven't really – I know you probably haven't thought that much about it, but do you have any idea of pre- predictions for the Diamondbacks rotation now after Bumgarner, Luke Weaver, and – um, you know, whoever else is going to be there. It sounds like Nutmeg might have an opinion behind you. Um, so there's three. There's a three-headed minor league monster in John Duplantier, Taylor Clark, and Taylor Widner, right? Mm-hmm. And we've kind of... I don't know where Duplantier is, man. Like, he's just fallen off the map. He's even fallen behind those two guys when he was leading the pack a year ago, two years ago. Former and top I, prospect. Yeah, and I've seen enough now of... Taylor Clark that I actually think he could fill that um Taylor that that clippered role, you know, get him into the the bullpen. Just anecdotally, we haven't seen as much as Widner. He has a a faster fastball, you know, if we can get into you know all those advanced stats, right? Fastball's fast. Faster than Taylor Clark's by like six miles an hour. Yeah. Um I think it's time to at least let him either flame out or win it. Um He's in 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 this last game. He pitched four and a third or four and two thirds inning, which is right in line with all of our starters right now. So he's at least has stretched out with another couple of games that he can get into and get out to up to five. And really talking about a fifth starter at that point, I would have to think. Um, so let me just give you this: uh, this spring, the Diamondbacks who have started games in spring training are Zach Gallen, who is not going to be starting because of the injury in the rotation. Mm-hmm. You've got Madison Bumgarner, Luke Weaver, Merrill Kelly, and Caleb Smith. Those are the four kind of penciled-in members of the starting rotation for the Diamondbacks. Okay. No one besides Madison Bumgarner has really pitched well. I was going to say, yeah, Luke Weaver's been getting his butt kicked. So. Yeah. You know, he's, you could say, he's in there. Like, yeah, you could say spring training maybe doesn't matter. They're working on different things. I think but, when you're coming back from an injury and had a crap year last year, spring training means a little bit more and like at some point claim the role that you had in 2019 luke weaver yeah so other three other pitchers who have started sorry four of the pitchers who have started for the diamondbacks seth frankoff who is a non-roster invitee taylor clark taylor weidner and josh green who is also a non-roster invitee so it's between the taylors yeah i mean i mean that's what's got to be right yeah, because well, Josh Green and Seth go... Frankoff are not really 
on anyone's radar. They just kind cool of names though. They are, but I mean, what's a Seth Frankoff, a Diamondbacks fifth starter? I mean, it could be a great trivia question. But you look at they're not anybody who's been. I mean, Josh Green has been in the Diamondbacks uh, system, but Seth Frankoff was a minor league signing. These are kind of just depth pieces right now. Do you see it being one of the Taylors or maybe a surprise like a Corbin Martin? Put a pin in Corbin Martin. Um, I, I At that point, that would be more out of left field um, for me. Between the Taylors, all I, so Taylor Clark has definitely more experience. He's had more starts. He was trusted first between the two um, in second overall behind Duplantier and got more starts last year, got more starts the year before. Clearly is trusted, but at the same time, what just under a just sub 500 pitcher with us gets lit up quite a bit and has about a 91 mile an hour fastball he can it seems like he has better control than widner but at the end of the day i'd i'd want to take a flyer on the guy i haven't seen yet that much he played a little bit last year but tyler widner can throw it up to 97 98 um, in a way that clark cannot it was only just a couple years ago that he led the minors in strikeouts yeah and so it, in that, that'd be a great clay, case to take in over Clippard's spot as well because he seems to be more dominant and you need that in the late innings. So flip a coin, man. But I think one of those Taylors is going to get it. I think both are going to make the roster with these two injuries. I think that's that's almost set in stone. It's just yeah. who's going to get the starting position and who's, who's going to be in the bullpen. Yeah. And to your point, John Duplantier has pitched this spring. He's got two scoreless innings. How has he only pitched two innings? I'm not going to answer that. Did he get hurt? Did he... Uh, no, I don't believe he's hurt. He's... Or any more hurt than he's always been. That makes me mad. Because, yeah, he was good. But even if he's not, like, let him prove it. And if he has a four ERA pitching eight innings, yeah, he's not going to make the team. But two scoreless innings, he shouldn't make the team just because they're scoreless. It's only two innings. I mean, Widner is, is double digits already. Ah, so... I, I did see this, but I had missed it previously. Duplantier had cut a, cut a, his finger on his pitching hand, and that has kept him out of spring training games. Okay. I'm less mad at you, John. That's a bum luck, man, because he can't pitch through it. Remember uh, Archie Bradley had a terrible season two years ago because he tried to pitch with just a, a, a split fingernail, uh, which I say just. That's got to be excruciating when it's on your pitching hand. So if you get a cut on your pitching hand, man, you got to got to dial it back. Sorry, you're going to be in the minors, but... If you pitch good, you're going to be right back up. So, Man, we just need these people. Remember when we did the draft um, and, and got all those pitchers like in the first 20 picks? We're talking like Blake Walston. I know we traded that one, Brennan something. Brennan Malone. Yeah, we traded him already, but we got Blake Walston, man. I know he's oh, yeah. not going to be up for a couple years, but when we're talking about like Dupontier and, and Clark and Widner, like, get some fresh faces because I know we got better pitchers who are just too young right now. Oh, yeah, and we'll be talking about them as we go through our uh, top 20 list. I'm sure Blake Walston. Oh, I think and... he's going to be in the next month. So in the next four weeks, <laughs> we're going to talk about Blake Walston because he's high on my list. And uh, Bryce Jarvis out of Duke and Tommy Henry. Those are all names we'll probably be uh, Tommy talking Henry, about. that's right, out of Michigan. He was in that draft too. Yeah, talking about uh, these players not too long from now. Uh, but, Rob, April 1st is opening day. We're getting close to that. Look forward to... Talking with you again as we get closer and really dive into the Diamondbacks 25-man roster and see how many of our predictions have come true and really renew hope for this next season. Yeah, man. Great way to end it. Um, 
Follow us on Instagram, Bloop Single. I think that's the quickest way to get a hold of us. Or bloopsingleaz at gmail.com. We never post, but do look at Bloop Single um, AZ on Twitter. Uh, go ahead and rate five stars and subscribe. If you slide into our DMs, we will respond. I have to look at that. All right, adios, amigo.